welcome to today's podcast episode, Fangirl for Aragorn. I'm Holly Millward. I'm a writer and a reader, and as this podcast suggests, a huge fan of J.R.R. Tolkien's work. Today, I'm focusing specifically on the character of Aragorn because it's March 1st, and it's his birthday. Also, I recently ran a four-week poll on my Facebook page during February to discover who readers would crown their favorite book boyfriend. Honestly, I was a little surprised by how popular Aragorn turned out to be. He triumphed over the other 17 heroes included in the poll, winning the entire thing fairly handily. I shouldn't have been surprised, though. Aragorn is a beloved hero with characteristics verging on near perfection. As I began to prepare for this podcast and reflect on my own love for Aragorn, I got more and more excited. Thinking about The Lord of the Rings brought back many good memories. My husband loves these books too, and we've spent many, many happy hours discussing these books, watching the movies together, and delving into the history of Middle-earth through the Silmarillion and the appendices. So, let's get started. First things first. The name Aragorn is derived from the Elvish language Sindarin, from Ara meaning king and Gorn meaning revered. Therefore, his name means revered king. The Aragorn of the Lord of the Rings is the second Aragorn. He was named after Aragorn I. I don't know anything about his namesake, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time recounting Aragorn's story from the Lord of the Rings books, because let's face it, you're probably already very familiar with him. Um, The Aragorn from the book and the Aragorn from the movie do differ slightly, but I think the movie representation does justice to the character. Although there is one thing in particular I wanted to see more of in the movie that was skipped. I'll get to that later. While preparing for this podcast, I learned something new from Anson Dibble, who was writing about plot. He said, J.R.R. Tolkien has confessed that about a third of the way through the Fellowship of the Ring, some ruffian named Strider confronted the hobbits in an inn, and Tolkien was in despair. He didn't know who Strider was, where the book was going, or what to write next. Strider turns out to be no lesser person than Aragorn, the unrecognized and uncrowned king of all the forces of good, whose restoration to rule is, along with the destruction of the evil ring, the engine that moves the plot of the whole massive trilogy, The Lord of the Rings. I love that Tolkien seems to have stumbled upon Aragorn unwittingly. And I know from my own experiences in writing, although I'm not nearly as amazing as Tolkien was, how mysteriously and quietly these characters appear and make themselves known. When Aragorn was only two years old, his father Arathorn was killed while pursuing orcs. Aragorn was afterward fostered in Rivendell by the elvish lord Elrond. At the request of his mother, his lineage was kept secret as she feared he would be killed like his father and grandfather if his true identity as a descendant of Elendil and heir of Isildur became known. Aragorn was renamed Estel and was not told about his heritage until later. Okay, hold up. This sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? What other royal or fated characters can you think of who were raised in anonymity, unaware of their own um, descendancy or back history? 
I can think of a few. Jon Snow comes to mind. Harry Potter has a similar story. Tavi from Jim Butcher's Codex Alera. We love stories of heroes growing up without the knowledge of who they are. But by the time we meet Strider in The Prancing Pony and Bree, he is aware of his lineage. I think it's kind of amazing that by the time we meet Aragorn, he's 87 years old. 87, people! Now, for a person of Numenorean descent, that's a man basically in his prime. But the point is, he's lived this whole other life as a younger person we only get vague hints and references to throughout The Lord of the Rings. That's why I decided to include some of his early history here. It isn't as well known as his deeds in the trilogy, and it helps give us a bigger picture of who he really is. I will also quickly add that I found the Lord of the Rings wiki website at lotr.wikia.com vastly helpful in preparing this section of my podcast. Now, as I was saying, Aragorn went by the name of Estel, which means hope, while he was under Elrond's care. When Aragorn was 20, Elrond reveals his ancestry and gives to him the Ring of Barahir and the Shards of Narsil. If you remember, Narsil is the sword that's broken in the earlier war and which is used to strike the ring off the finger of Sauron. So when he receives these items, it's around the same time he meets and falls in love with Arwen, who is Elrond's daughter. She had just returned from her mother's homeland of Lorien, where she had been visiting her grandmother, Galadriel. After this, Aragorn goes on many adventures. He assumes his proper role as the 16th chieftain of the Dúnedain and the ranger of the north. He leaves Rivendell for the wild, where he lives with the remainder of his people, whose kingdom had been destroyed through civil and regional war centuries before. He meets Gandalf, and they become close friends. Heeding Gandalf's advice, Aragorn and the rangers begin to guard a small land known as the Shire, which is inhabited by the diminutive and agrarian hobbits. He becomes known among the people just outside the Shire's border as Strider. For a little over 20 years, Aragorn undertakes great journeys, serving in the armies of King Thengel of Rowan and Steward Ecthelion II of Gondor. Many of his tasks help to raise morale in the West and counter the growing threat of Sauron. He earns priceless experience, which he will later put to use in the War of the Ring. Aragorn serves his lords in disguise. His name in Gondor and Rohan during this time is Thorngil, which means Eagle of the Star. He leads assaults on Umber, he destroys many of the Corsair ships, he slays their lord during the battle on the Havens. After this victory, he leaves the field and to the dismay of his men, goes east. He visits Lorien, where he once again meets Arwen. He gives to her the heirloom of his house, the Ring of Barahir, and on the hill of Cairn Amroth, Arwen, Arwen pledges her hand to him, renouncing her elvish lineage. Before the events of the Lord of the Rings takes place, Aragorn also travels through the dwarven mines of Moria to Harad, where, in his own words, the stars are strange. Tolkien does not specify when this happens, nor does he indicate what happens when Aragorn visits. Eventually, Gandalf grows suspicious of the origin of the ring belonging to the hobbit Bilbo Baggins. We know this is the One Ring, the source of Sauron's power. At Gandalf's request, Aragorn searches for Gollum, who had once possessed the ring. Aragorn catches the creature in the dead marshes near Mordor and brings him as a captive to Thranduil's halls in Mirkwood, where Gandalf questions him. 
And that pretty much brings us up to date to that fateful evening in Brie, where as Strider, he meets Frodo. In a Newsweek article entitled Vigo Mortensen, We Were All on an Epic Journey, Vigo says, The movie is not the book. They're different mediums. It's not been possible in the movie to emphasize language and poetry, for example, as Tolkien did, nor do we get the attention to detail regarding various characters' backgrounds and interrelationships. It's not possible unless it's three 12-hour movies, I suppose. And you know, as authors, Tolkien and Peter Jackson have different sensibilities. While Peter obviously cares a great deal for Tolkien's writing, otherwise he wouldn't have given so much of his life to it, what seems to have drawn him most as a filmmaker was the pure adventure aspect of the tale. The heroic sacrifice of individuals for the common good. All the breathtaking sequences. He really poured himself into those. The more I explored Tolkien, the more I felt I had two bosses, Tolkien and Peter Jackson. I tried my best to be loyal to both of them. So just to quickly recap some of the actions and things that happen in the series as it pertains to Aragorn. Um, he, of course, meets the hobbits at Bree in the Prancing Pony as Strider. He becomes a member of the Fellowship of the Ring at the Council of Elrond. At that same council, Bilbo recites a poem um, about him. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither, deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken, a light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken, the crownless again shall be king. After Gandalf is lost to the Balrog, Aragorn takes leadership of the fellowship in hand and pursues Merry and Pippin after they are abducted by the Urukai. Once reunited with Gandalf, he helps free Theoden from Saruman's spell. He fights with Rohan in the Battle of the Hornburg. He treads the path of the dead and summons the men of Denharrow to fulfill their ancient oath and fight for the King of Gondor. He fights in the battle for the Pelennor Fields. Aragorn's healing abilities are something that I wish they would have spent a little bit more time on in the movies. In the books, his healing abilities are assigned to the people of Gondor of the identity of their true king. There's a prophecy that says, The hands of the king are the hands of a healer, and so shall the rightful king be known. So this is how the, pe the people of Gondor know that he is the true heir. Faramir says of him, Men of Gondor, hear now the steward of this realm. Behold, one has come to claim the kingship again at last. Here is Aragorn, son of Arathorn, chieftain of the Dunedain of Arnor, captain of the host of the west, bearer of the star of the north, wielder of the sword reforged, victorious in battle, whose hands bring healing. The Elfstone, Alessar of the line of Valendil, Isildur's son, Elendil's son of Numenor. Shall he be king and enter into the city and dwell there? And all the hosts and all the people cried yea with one voice. Upon Sauron's defeat, Aragorn is crowned as King Alessar, a name given to him by Galadriel. He becomes the 26th King of Arnor, the 35th King of Gondor, and the first 
High King of the Reunited Kingdom. His line is referred to as the House of Telkantar. Aragorn marries Arwen and rules the kingdom of Gondor and Arnor until the year 120 of the Fourth Age. His reign is marked by great harmony and prosperity, by a great renewal of cooperation and communication among men, elves, and dwarves. This is fostered by his vigorous rebuilding campaign following the war. Aragorn, um, during his coronation, Aragorn sings Elendil's Oath. Out of the great sea to Middle-earth I am come. In this place I will abide, and my heirs unto the ending of the world. At his death, it is said, Then a great beauty was revealed in him, so that all who after came there looked on him in wonder. For they saw that the grace of his youth, and the valor of his manhood, and the wisdom and majesty of his age were blended together. And long there he lay, an image of the kings of men in glory undimmed before the breaking of the world. And oh my goodness, now I want to go read these stories again right now, because that language is beautiful and these characters are like the best and the oldest of friends. What we love about Aragorn. He is a great warrior accomplished in the art of war, certainly one of the greatest swordsmen of his age. But he doesn't fight to conquer. When he takes up his sword, it is in defense of others, usually of those who are not able to defend themselves. Does he think less of them for their inability to fight or for their ignorance of the larger stakes and dangers? No, and that's another quality we love about him. He doesn't castigate others for their mistakes. He doesn't say, well, you messed up, so I can't help you. He jumps into the fray and helps to do whatever he can, whenever he can do it, to protect the lives of others. He doesn't do it for glory or self-advancement. He does it for the survival of the free folk of Middle-earth. He doesn't distinguish between elves, dwarves, hobbits, men. He treats them all with respect. He isn't quick to anger. He shows patience and kindness regularly. Even Gandalf becomes sometimes annoyed with the hobbits. But Aragorn shows steadfastness and resolve. His path is hard. His path is dangerous. But he doesn't bemoan his fate. He acts in the service of others. He's faithful to the end. His love and friendship are long-lasting. Near the end of the trilogy, Legolas says, in that hour I looked on Aragorn and thought how great and terrible a lord he might have become in the strength of his will had he taken the ring to himself. Not for naught does Mordor fear him, but nobler is his spirit than the understanding of Sauron. Aragorn is a true king. We love him because he is humble. He is good. He is kind. He is one of the greatest heroes of all literature in my estimation, and he started as a hooded enigma on a page. We love Tolkien for bringing Aragorn to life, for putting a light in the darkness, for allowing that light to grow. Aragorn teaches us many things, but I think among the most important, he teaches us there is always hope and there is never a reason to give up. He teaches us we can overcome challenges 
one by one until we arrive where we are destined to be. Thanks for listening, friends. And as always, happy reading. Thank you.